0: Please pray with me. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. You who are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The Bible, like life, is full of storms. Storms that at once both frighten and fascinate us. Storms that give us a perspective on what really matters in life. In these weeks of hurricane season, we are exploring some of the storied storms of the Bible, seeking to learn from them about God's presence in the midst of those storms, and also seeking to live lives that are more ready or more adequately prepared for the storms which we acknowledge will inevitably be in our future. Today, we acknowledge God's sovereignty over even the wind and the waves. And maybe more importantly, we are going to acknowledge that sometimes he calms the storms, but other times he calms his child. The disciples were with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. They were crossing from one side to the other. Jesus was asleep on the boat. A storm suddenly emerged from out of nowhere. Now, you're thinking to yourselves, we've heard this text preached on earlier this year. When Dr. Eddington revealed to us that indeed this was a tsunami, a storm that erupted from the depths of the sea, a storm without warning, a storm that brought forth huge waves that surely would have overwhelmed that little boat. You and I know the story. They woke Jesus. They were terrified. They said, Lord, don't you care that we're drowning? And Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves and he said, peace be still. It's not the first time in scripture that God stilled a storm. You see, the psalmist bears witness to the fact that those men who go down to the sea in ships for all sorts of reasons, more often for fishing than for pleasure, more often for financial uh, reasons than maybe you and I would alight out on a lovely evening to watch the dolphins or the moon rise over Harbor Town. These men went out into the sea in ships in order to bring home the means by which they would support their families. These were fishermen, both the ones of whom the psalmist tells and yes, the ones who were in the boat with Jesus on that day. These were men who knew the dangers of the sea. The difference between those of whom the psalmist speaks and the disciples in the boat with Jesus is that when the storm arises, the men in the days of the psalmist knew the Lord was with them, even in the midst of it. Yes, like the disciples, they cried out to the Lord, but not really so much for fear of their lives as in faith, in the faithfulness of God. To hear their cry. The disciples find themselves wondering, how could Jesus sleep at a time like this? Doesn't he know that we're going down with the ship? Doesn't he know what we're going through? Doesn't he know the whelming waves that are pouring in upon my life? Does God not care? What I'm experiencing? Does God not care that I am drowning here? The disciples like you and I become so fixated on the here and now, so fixated on the wind and the waves, so fixated on the current crisis, the urgent, the immediate, the momentary affliction, that they are blind to the reality of who they are with and who is with them. Who is with them in the boat? Who? Jesus, who then are they with in the boat? Yeah, this is one of those times where it is the same answer twice. (laughs) Jesus is with them in the boat, but more importantly, they are with Jesus in the boat. Jesus, you see, who sees through the storm all the way to the other side. Jesus, who knows God's intended plan for his life. Jesus who knows this is not the time he's going down. Jesus who knows God's purpose and God's plan. And Jesus who knows more than anyone else the faithfulness of God. You and I see the storm that we're in. Jesus sees through the storm all the way to the other side. He knew where his life was was headed and he knew that those who were on board with him would also be seen through. Jesus doesn't just promise a light at the end of the tunnel, he is the light. Jesus doesn't just promise a way through the valley, he is the way and he is the good shepherd who walks the way with us. Jesus doesn't just promise a counselor in the midst of our perplexity, he sends his own Holy Spirit to be our constant companion and our guide. Jesus doesn't just promise to be there waiting for us in the end. He promises to be the one who takes us there to the end. In what I now see as a foreshadowing of Jesus' calming of the storm upon the Sea of Galilee, the psalmist tells us that in the midst of a great storm, they cried out to the Lord and he brought them out from their distress. He made the storm still. He spoke to the wind and the waves and they were hushed with a whisper. And then we are reminded by the psalmist to praise God for his steadfast love. People who have just been through a storm are called to praise God for his steadfast love. You and I sing, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. All I have needed, thy hand has provided, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. That's not a song that we sing only in times that are good and glorious and great. That is a song that we sing in the depths of despair. You see, a faith that is only a faith on a bright, sunshiny day on calm seas is, well, frankly, not much faith. So says Jesus to his disciples. But a singing faith that declares that God is great and faithful even in the midst of the whelming flood, that, my friends, is a faith worth having. God is not fickle. God is faithful. His mercies are new every morning. I love that. I love that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and yet his mercies are new every morning. Isn't that fantastic? God who never changes is constantly offering to change my life. To change my reality, or to change how I live in the midst of the reality that I have. Yesterday I was walking on the beach and I found myself smiling inexplicably. This happens from time to time, I look, I think, probably fairly foolish doing it. One of those dumb, broad smiles. Like it suddenly occurs to you that you're, you're walking by yourself, there's a lot of people out there but you're really by yourself, and you have this stupid grin on your face. And you think to yourself, hey, stop. I hope nobody saw that. I began to wonder why, why was I smiling? What came to me was a sense of the simple joy that I experience as the waves just lap up up along the edge of my life. Just as you walk and the waves just, you know, right there at the edge of the beach, lap up on your feet and. I don't know, it's a simple pleasure. But what occurred to me was that at that same time, that same ocean was lapping up on the edge of people's lives in the Netherlands and in Europe and in Africa and in South America and in Jamaica and Cuba and the Bahamas and the Keys. And I began to think of all the people who I know and love who live along the Eastern seaboard and that same ocean was lapping up at that same moment in time on their lives, touching all of us. And then I remembered that this ocean really does spill into all other oceans, and surely then, all the oceans of the Earth are one. And that, in that, the ocean touches everyone, laps up on everybody's life. This pervasive, powerful, predictable force, predictable, because you can actually get on the computer and find out when low tide will be a thousand years from now on Hilton Head Island. It's that predictable, and yet you and I both know The ocean is horribly unpredictable. A force that offers the simple joy of collecting seashells in one moment and the devastation of all that we have worked to build in the next. A force that enables us to traverse the globe, but in the next moment holds the possibility of hurricanes and typhoons and tidal waves and tsunamis and cyclones and tempests. She is known to us in many ways, and yet her depths remain unsearchable to us. I think that's what I was smiling about. I think that I was smiling by the simple and yet profound reality that this ocean, which touches everyone and changes everyone that it touches, that is at once known and unsearchable, that is at once everywhere, and yet you can ignore it even at this close a range. And how much that reveals to me or reminds me of what God has revealed about himself. God is at once everywhere predictably present. God does touch every human life, the world around, and anyone that God touches cannot remain unchanged. And God is at once perfectly predictable in his steadfast love and in his faithfulness. And yet there is an unpredictability, there is an awesome power, there is a force to be reckoned with in the holiness of God. He is at once fully revealed and yet completely unsearchable. And I caught myself smiling. Jesus never, this is going to sound terrible, I'm going to say it anyway. Jesus never promised the disciples a rose garden but he did demonstrate to them the power of a crown of thorns. Jesus promised his disciples certainly real and everlasting life. He promised them lives that would have meaning beyond this world, even as he promised them that in this world they would be persecuted and maligned. He promised them a purpose that would persist into eternity, even as he promised them that their lives would be marked by ridicule and humiliation. Jesus promised his disciples riches and greatness in heaven beyond their imaginations, even as he promised them poverty and mediocrity upon the earth. He promised them a community of faith that would become their family, even as he promised them that their own families would be divided, they would be disowned, certainly disavowed. He promised them that even though Everyone else in the world might forsake and abandon them. He would never leave them. He promised them that he would be with them always Even to the end of the age. They knew Because Jesus told them over and over and over again that he was going to die and that on the third day He would rise again and then he promised them he would not leave them abandoned or orphaned that he would send them the Holy Spirit to be with them always and everywhere. Jesus tells the disciples who would follow him into the world. They will never do so alone, that he would be with them. In the midst of storms, yes. Jesus never promised peace. He promised the peace that passes understanding to those who would receive him. The question is not whether Jesus is with us. He says he is. The question is whether or not we're with Jesus. When the waters are rising in your life, Who's with you that you can trust? When your own resources come to an end, do you have one with you whose resources never fail? When you're scared out of your mind, can you trust the one you're with to be your light and your help and your salvation? When your hopes are dashed and your dreams diminish, can you trust the one you're with? The reality is that life is filled with storms, storms that we cannot navigate nor hope to survive on our own. We need a life saver, a life preserver. We need the one who is the way and the truth and the life, the savior of all. Because the truth of the matter is that sometimes he calms the storm, but more often he calms his child in the midst of it. In November of 1982, when my cousin Angie and I were both 14 years old, she was diagnosed with lymphoma. My aunt and uncle sought the best medical help that was available, but her battle only lasted six months. And in June of 1983, a few days before My 15th birthday, Angie died. I had never experienced the death of someone my own age. I'd never seen my family grieve so deeply. I'd also never before heard my mother and father so clearly articulate their faith. I trusted them, I trusted their faith. I trusted the ones I was with. Eight months later in February of 1984, Carol Kennedy, who was a wonderfully vibrant gifted, articulate 17-year-old died in a car accident. Carol had early admittance to Princeton. She was a senior at my high school. I was a sophomore. But more importantly to me, she was the pitcher of our all-state fast-pitch softball team. And I was her catcher, and I had been for seven years. My dad was one of our coaches. At one of the services following Carol's death, I heard my father stand in front of a sanctuary full of student athletes and talk about his faith in God's promises and his faith in God's faithfulness. I trusted my dad. I trusted his faith. I was learning to trust the one he was with. It was only three months later that my 40-year-old father died of a heart attack. My boat had been taking on water for several months at that point. And now I was certain I was going under. But God sent faithful men and women into my life to buoy me. God did not remove the storms of my life. God did not save all of the people that I love from harm. But God has always been faithful. He saw me through the storms, and he saw through the storms, and all I could see was the wind and the waves. And at the right time, when I was ready to hear it. God sent someone into my life who told me that all I had to do was ask God for peace and he would give it to me. And I asked and God granted me the peace which passes all understanding. And I learned for the first time in my life what it means for God to calm his child, even in the midst of a whelming flood. That's the word of hope that I have to offer to each one of us today. Some of you are bailing like mad in your lives, lives that are being crashed against by waves of frustration and fear and loneliness and fatigue and depression and disease and despair, and I know it. What I have to offer you this day is the peace which passes all understanding, which is offered to you in Jesus Christ, who alone is the Prince of Peace. You can trust him. He will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen.